Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, where we look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hodgeberg, and this is episode number 489. Last week, Royal Caribbean announced its winter Caribbean cruises and released cruises for about 13 ships. So today, I wanted to talk about this deployment and what you can expect. Here we go. Royal Caribbean released new 2024 and 2025 cruises from the Northeast U.S. and additional Caribbean sailings for the winter of 2024 into 2025. And I thought it would be a good idea to talk about these new sailings. I'd like to get more in the habit of talking about new itinerary releases because I think that's pretty relevant for a lot of people. When there's new deployments released, it's an opportunity to look at planning some new vacations. As many of you know, one of my top tips is to plan your cruise as early as you can. And certainly if you can jump in on a new itinerary deployment, and book a cruise literally like day one or certainly very, very quickly after Royal Caribbean releases it, you can sometimes find some really good deals going forward. So whether you are bargain hunting or you're just looking for a fun cruise to go on, uh, this week I want to talk about this release cycle. So this is actually the last of the release cycle primarily for, let's call it this season. Uh, It began in November, and Royal Caribbean released new itineraries back in November and December, and then they've done so here in the month of February. There are still a couple of outliers that are left, Singapore, Australia, and China. Uh, Australia comes out the week of May 1st. Uh, Singapore is the week of July 24th, and China's TBD. But I, I think for most of our listening audience, we're mostly focused on North America, Alaska, and Europe. No offense to our Aussie friends down under. It's just where the demand is primarily. It's also where most of Royal Caribbean ships are. So anyway, like I said, in the future, I'd like to talk more about other deployments, but today, we're going to focus on the what Royal Caribbean called its winter deployments, which included Northeast and cruises out of Florida. So we're going to go ship by ship and talk about the ship and the placement. Some of these are new. Some of these are different. Some of these are just new, but they've done it before. What have you? We're going to start with, I think, the most interesting one, which is Odyssey of the Seas going out of Cape Liberty. So Odyssey is going to sail after her transatlantic from Rome. She's going to offer regular service from Bayo, New Jersey. So Odyssey will be your new primary ship in Bayonne, New Jersey. Of course, Bayonne is right across the harbor from New York City, so it's a New York City area ship, and it'll sail from Bayonne between November 2024 and at least April 2025. I say at least because who knows what will happen after that. Maybe she'll go over to Europe. Maybe she won't. Remains to be seen. Uh, Now, of course, Odyssey of the Seas is one of the newest Royal Caribbean cruise ships, and if you've cruised from Bayonne, you're not uh, unfamiliar with Quantum-class ships there. Quantum and Anthem have been there just almost seems like forever for the last, you know, decade or so. The difference here is that you've got Odyssey, which is the newest ship. So Quantum and Anthem were the first and second ship in the Quantum class. Odyssey is the last and newest ship in the Quantum class coming out in November of 2021. And she is significant because this is the latest and greatest that Royal has with this class. And there's some interesting nuances of it. Now, of course, this ship is going to offer some 7- and 12-night cruises to destinations in the Caribbean and the Bahamas in the wintertime. So there's nothing too different when it comes to the itineraries. What we're really talking about here is the ship selection because you've probably cruised out of the New York City area. You're used to primarily Anthem, other ships as well. We've certainly seen Oasis over the summer. We'll talk more about that in a second. But I wanted to focus purely basically going from Anthem to Odyssey. And when you talk about Odyssey of the Seas, you're getting some nice upgrades compared to Anthem, in my opinion. Number one, you've got a different pool deck experience. Now, not only does it have a more vibrant pool experience, Royal Caribbean themed it to more of a Caribbean pool motif, But also, a noticeable change is there's no more indoor pool in the middle pool. So, on Anthem, there was the solarium, which is the adults-only pool, and that's, of course, enclosed. 
Then there was an indoor pool for everybody, and then there was the main pool for everybody, and the main pool is outdoors. On Odyssey, the main pool and the other pool are both outdoors. There's no more indoor pool other than, of course, the solarium. Now, some people point out, well, this is a problem. You're going to be based out of New York, and how is that going to work? I would point out before Anthem or Quantum, there were ships sailing out of New York City that did not have enclosed pools. It's not the end of the world. Is it preferable that there would be an indoor pool for everybody to be able to use? Yeah, of course, but it's not the end of the world. It's not, it's not like it hasn't been done before, is my point. is It's not that much of a change, and I would argue that I would greatly trade the lack of an indoor pool for some of the other upgrades. I really like, as an example, the fact that you've got the sky pad on the back of the ship. You've got Playmakers. The, this is the best C-Plex in the fleet because you've got the combination of both the C-Plex itself, which is the sports area and and it's indoors and closed but you've also got playmakers grill which is fantastic the sports bar really love it i think it's the best location really enjoy that and then of course you got just little touches you know it's, it's the same within the class there's not many changes you know real caribbean calls odyssey of the seas a quantum ultra class ship but it's more marketing than anything else there's not much of a huge difference you're really going to notice about it but i generally speaking i often look at newer ships as being an upgrade or a, a benefit and so you're going to have Odyssey of the Seas sailing from uh, New York and offering those cruises. Now, before Odyssey gets there, you're going to have Symphony of the Seas offering cruises from New York and Bayonne uh, for the summer of 2024. So basically, instead of Oasis, you'll have Symphony, another upgrade, newer ship replacing an older ship. Granted, Oasis had an amplification, and you know, but Symphony came out later. Uh, so it's not quite as seismic a shift. But I think in general, I would just simply say this is an upgrade because it's something different. It's nice to have something different. You're not compromising in what the ship offers. Symphony is a great, great ship. And she's going to be offering seven and nine night cruises to the Caribbean, Bahamas, and Perfect Day at Coco Key. So she's going to move from Fort Lauderdale to the New York City area and offer winter cruises over there. So again, if I think if you're from the Northeast and you're looking for cruises in 24 into 25 from the Northeast area, there are some really good options for you because you've got some two really big heavy hitters with that. It's it's not like you're compromising in any way. And if that wasn't enough, well, of course, then you've also got Liberty of the Seas, which will also be augmenting the cruises for the summer of 2024 from Bayonne as well. She'll be offering cruises between May and October, going to Bermuda, Canada, and the Caribbean. So really, when you're talking about Liberty, Liberty is, I'm going to say this, it's going to sound bad, but it's not bad. And it's playing third fiddle. It's it's the, you know, the, the primary ones you're talking about. Odyssey, aha, Symphony, aha, Liberty, okay. But it's going to fit in there. It's going to offer some new options as well. And she also stays here a little longer, I believe, than Symphony. I could be wrong on that. But anyway, she's staying there a little longer, in, deeper into the season. And, of course, offering those Canada cruises. And the best thing about Liberty is going to be the price, of course. Because the cost, on average... For a Liberty of the Seas cruise is going to almost certainly be cheaper than Symphony or Odyssey. So if you're looking for bargains, the Freedom class in general, whether it's Liberty, Independence, or Freedom, and I'll like even expand this to the, the Voyager class, is the best value, bar none, there you go. And something interesting I really like that Rollercraft is doing is Grandeur of the Seas is going to be based out of Boston beginning in September. She'll be there for, well, October, two months basically, from September 7th all the way up to November 3rd. So if you're from New England or northern New England, I really would say, you know, obviously you have a much closer option now. I mean, you're only going to Canada. You're not going down to the Caribbean. There is one really interesting sailing. The September 7th sailing is a 15-night Greenland cruise round trip from Boston. 
So if you're somebody who's been there, done that, wants something different, this is a really interesting itinerary because you start off in Boston, go up to Nova Scotia, and then a couple days over, you go to Greenland, spend a number of days in Greenland, cruising around there, head on back, stop in Newfoundland on your way back, and then you're in Boston. So it's a long sailing, obviously, but I mean, how often do you get to go to Greenland as, an, as a destination? And it goes out of Boston, which is really cool because usually Royal Caribbean has very short seasons in Boston. This is more the fall time than the summertime, but... I think this is a really interesting idea. Um, you know, it's grandeur of the sea, so obviously not the latest and greatest ship in the fleet. By any means, in fact, it's the oldest and smallest ship in the fleet. But, you know, the itineraries here, I mean, number one, you know, when we talk about values, number one, this is going to be cheaper than even Liberty than we just previously talked about. Number two, you've got longer sailings into Canada. You know, they're almost, I think, all, yeah, they're all seven-night cruises. There is one four-nighter at the very end of the season to Canada. But I like it. Seven nights is a, is a really good time because a lot of times the cruises from New York to Canada end up being a little shorter. And, you know, one stop is just not enough. You really want to get the full sense of both New England and Canada. And it seems like that Royal Caribbean uh, has got that here with grandeur of the seas. And I think if you're taking a Canada New England cruise, you're more interested in the destination than you are, of course, the ship itself. So that's something to be to be aware of. So there's the, the Northeast itineraries, those four ships we talked about. Let's move, move over to the Winter Caribbean now because... We'll go back to Symphony of the Sea. Symphony will move from New York down to Miami and offer seven-night Eastern and Western Caribbean cruises. This is pretty standard. There's an Oasis class ship based out, of my, based out of Miami all the time. And in this case, it'll be Symphony of the Seas offering cruises over there. Serenade of the Seas is going to offer cruises from Tampa. She's doing five and nine-night cruises. On a personal note, I kind of wish Royal Caribbean would offer uh, go back to offering more four-night cruises out of Tampa. They used to offer a lot more short sailings out of Tampa on the Radiance class ships. And now they're trying to, I think, skew away from that because I think there's just more money to be made with the longer sailings. But I really love those four-night weekend cruises that began on a Thursday, came back on a Monday. Of course, yes, I am a spoiled Floridian. I could then go on that ship on a long weekend. And it, it worked out really, really well logistically. But I understand they're here to make money. And, <laughs> and this is why they're doing it. So anyway, Serenade out of Tampa, offering five and nine-night cruises. Radiance of the Seas will also be sailing from Tampa, and uh, she's not going to help me out any more than Serenade will because she'll be offering a seven-night cruise. The interesting thing about seven-night cruises, you know, for her season down in Tampa, the interesting thing about Radiance is she'll be doing a 16-night Panama Canal crossing. Full Panama Canal transits are pretty rare, so if you want to do one in which you, you know, fly out to L.A. or you're in L.A., whatever the case may be, and then your cruise ends back in Tampa, this is a really interesting option. And she'll be offering 16-night cruise Panama Canal and then be offering seven-night Caribbean sailings. Down in Puerto Rico, you've got Rhapsody of the Seas going to be the ship that's over there. Rhapsody will be offering seven and eight-night cruises. This is interesting because Royal Caribbean had been increasing steadily the size of the ships sailing out of San Juan. It was Explorer of the Seas and then it was Freedom of the Seas. And now we're going back to Rhapsody. Now, I think I would point out a couple of things. One, I don't think that the necessarily the size of the ship is the end-all be-all of what you should look at for any deployment. It's not an indication of anything more than just simply the realities of, of the cruising market, right? And when you're sailing out of San Juan, Puerto Rico, and you're going to the Southern Caribbean, it is a very, very, very port-intensive itinerary. I think they're, they're all or most are something like six ports in seven days, something like that. So your dependence on the ship is greatly diminished compared to a standard Caribbean sailing. So there's a good argument to be made that you really don't need all the whiz-bang features you're going to find on a Freedom or a Voyager class ship. 
I think now some cruisers may simply say, well, I prefer those ships. I like having those options there. And I don't disagree with you, but the, the way that I would look at it is if you're doing a Southern Caribbean cruise out of San Juan, it's the itinerary. That's the most important thing. And because it's so port intensive, you know, if you're, if you're getting up in the morning, going to do all these things in port and then coming back to the ship for dinner and, and, and the evening, it's less of an issue that you have a ship that doesn't have as many features or amenities as say a freedom of voyage class ship, but it is a shift and a change over there. Oasis of the seas. will head back to her first home port Everglades, Fort Lauderdale. She'll be offering six and eight night cruises. So Odyssey was offering this base option up until now. I recently did this cruise for Thanksgiving this past year. So Oasis can be offering cruises out of port Everglades, six and eight night cruises. And again, for all you history buffs out there, that is where Oasis debuted offering cruises out of port Everglades. In Galveston, Royal Caribbean is going to send Jewel of the Seas. Don't worry, it's not the only ship. We'll get to more in a second. But Jewel of the Seas will offer nine and 11 night cruises to the Western Caribbean out of Galveston. I do like this idea that Royal Caribbean is trying to offer some longer sailings. I would say that one of the constant suggestions, complaints, however you want to look at it, is that Royal doesn't offer enough long sailings, uh, longer than seven nights out of North America. Like over in Europe and Australia, you routinely find like two-week sailings. But here in the United States, it really doesn't happen, and that's really a reflection of the U.S. cruise market and Americans who just simply want to take a week vacation and not much more than that. Like two weeks vacation in the U.S. is largely viewed as egregious, quite frankly. And I don't, I don't agree with it. I'm just saying that if you go to, you know, tell, talk to your friends or family, haven't taken a two week vacation, they're going to look at you like you're going. Are you going to the moon? Like two weeks? Who does that? You know, it's just unfortunately our culture here does not. Spend, I mean, people will be happy for you. Don't get me wrong. But it, people raise an eyebrow at that, as opposed to in Europe, if you're saying you're going for a fortnight, they would say, oh, yeah, of course. Anyway, uh, Jewel of the Seas offering nine 11 night cruises. If you're looking for a longer sailing, this is an option for you. Grandeur of the Seas will offer cruises from Fort Lauderdale as well, beginning in November 2024. So the Grandeur moves down from Boston and will be offering winter cruises from Fort Lauderdale. And then Explorer of the Seas will be based in Miami, and she'll be offering even longer sailing. So this is out of Miami. Jewel was out of Galveston. Explorer is out of Miami, offering 10 and 12-night cruises. So, again, longer sailings. If that is your goal, to be on a ship for longer periods of time, more than seven nights, which allows you to go to many more places, this is definitely, I think Explorer and a Jewel are definitely ones to look at. Uh, something that really jumped out at me also was Brilliance of the Seas, because she will be based out of New Orleans, offering some winter cruises there. So Brilliance is like a 14-night Panama Canal. So there's another Panama Canal. You got two of them now you could possibly do. And then she'll be based in New Orleans from October 2024 until March 25. So New Orleans is an interesting market. Royal Caribbean has largely used New Orleans as a backup option. Like it's just been this place. They periodically place a ship. And in my opinion, it was always where they would put a ship where they had nowhere else to put it. It was like, I remember Majesty of the Seas when Cuba closed up and they couldn't offer cruises out of there. Royal Caribbean was like, uh, okay, we're going to put it in, in New Orleans because we got nowhere else to go with it. And I'm not saying this is what happened with Brilliance, but I do like this idea that Brilliance is going to offer more regular service out of New Orleans. Who knows if she'll come back again next season. But I know there's a lot of people who live in that area of the country that would love to have some cruises out of New Orleans. And the other benefit of cruising out of New Orleans versus Galveston is the fact that you can actually make cruises over to the Bahamas um, and some other destinations other than just simply Mexico. So again, if you're looking for something different, Brilliance of the Seas, one of my favorite ships out of um, New Orleans. Now, that's a look at the ships there that we've we've got for the Winter Caribbean. There is one ship that is missing. If, if you've been paying attention to all the deployments up till now, there's one ship that's unaccounted for 
that I can think of off the top of my head. Not counting, of course, the China, like Spectrum. We all know that, but that's going to be in Asia somewhere. I'm talking about Anthem of the Seas. Anthem is not on the calendar anywhere here, and it's kind of the missing piece. Odyssey is clearly replacing Odyssey, uh, Anthem over in Bayonne. So what is going on with Anthem of the Seas? And it's anyone's guess. Royal Grim has not said a thing. And my guess, what I've heard, the room, I don't even have a guess on this, my, but the rumor mill is strongly pointing towards this idea that Anthem will be selling from Southampton year-round. Because usually Royal Caribbean only offers cruises out of, in Europe in general, whether or not, you know, let alone England, uh, for the summer. But the rumor mill seems to think that a year-round Royal Caribbean ship could be coming in the form of Anthem of the Seas. Now, that is a rumor. So if you all want to go post about this on some other thing, hey, Matt said this. Matt didn't say anything. Matt is just simply repeating a rumor. I have no idea, and it is certainly not confirmed or announced by Royal Caribbean. I just wanted to put that out there because it's just something that jumped out at me is, hey, where the heck is Anthem? And where she's going to sail from beyond there? Who knows? I mean, really, I have no clue. But the fact that she's conspicuously missing, to me, says that they've got a different plan for her and not going to just lump her into, you know, Bayonne again or something like that. They certainly could. Who knows? You know, plans change all the time. But for right now, Anthem is missing from the deployments there. And I have no earthly idea where she will be, but it's something to keep an eye on as we move forward over here. So there you go. So hopefully that'll provide some interesting, helpful info as it relates to the deployments. And I'd like to do this more with some of the deployments as we get to the fall again. Because that'll be, if you're wondering when are the next deployments, I know that's already a question some of you are thinking about, you know, for the, for 25 into 26, uh, that'll be in the fall. Usually around November or December, we get the first round of them. And if I can remember, and, and maybe some of you will remind me of this, we should revisit this again in the fall as well. Alrighty, friends, time to answer the listener emails. This is part of the episode where I read the emails you've sent me. If you want to send me your email, you can always do so by sending to matt at royalcommonblog.com, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcommonblog.com. First email is from Jeff. Hey, Matt, my wife and I are booked on our third sailing of Icon of the Seas, as in like the third sailing, not the third overall sailing, not, yeah, anyway. Uh, we're, on, we're on the inaugural of Oasis. When we were on their inaugural Oasis and there were still some bugs they had to work out, you know if Icon will have a reduced capacity on the third sailing in February 24. I don't believe so. There's no reason to believe that's the case. Jeff Rolkerman has not said there'll be any reduced capacity on any of the Icon sailings. Inaugural or not, um, they'll sail at full capacity. You know, you're right that with, or you're alluding to something that is correct. When a new ship comes out, whether it's Icon or it was Wonder or Odyssey before that or Symphony before that, uh, like, it's not uncommon for not 100% of the ship to be operational. What I mean by that is there may be a venue or feature or two that are not quite ready yet. Um, there could be, as an example, I remember on Odyssey of the Sea, Zone Zero wasn't running on day one. The All the shows that are available now on Wonder... I think maybe Odyssey were not available on day one. They add them in a little later on. This is just the nature of inaugural sailings. It's almost this, I, I almost say it's, it's understanding. I don't think anybody outside of like cruise fans who listen to like, you know, podcasts or something like that would really know that. But that is the reality of going on an inaugural sailing. If you want to be on like one of the first couple sailings, and I'm saying, you know what? With Wonder, I mean, they didn't add the Effectors 2 show until like the fall. And the ship had debuted back in, December. So, you know, it went almost a full year without its without all of its shows. And I think the escape room is still not even on Wonder of the Seas yet. So, you know, I, I'm not sure where you draw that line. But the bottom line is, if you're going on the first couple of sailings, it is possible, although who knows what will happen, that not everything will be 100%. You got to be okay with that. 
That's part of the appeal of going on and, you know, people say you were there for a first sailing. Just as also, it seems like my if my wife and I drink more than 10 drinks per day, then the four free diamond drinks are useless. Uh, being diamond, that is. Because after the four free ones, it will take another five or six to break even with the drink package. And if you get the drink package, then the four drinks are useless. Is there any way around this? Royal Caribbean should give people a discount on the drink package as a diamond member instead of the drink vouchers. Well, wish granted, Jeff, they do give diamond members a, a discount. Um, the thing is, I know what you're asking. You want a discount on top of the discount. You want the the the, the sale that you see online and then a discount on top of that. But as a diamond member, and this is true for Diamond, Diamond Plus, and Pinnacle, if you wait until you get on board the ship to buy the drink package, there is a discount. Now, it's probably a wash compared to buying it before the cruise, which is probably what you're more complaining about. But you have the choice, my friend. You could either get the four drinks or get a discount, either like everybody, pre-cruise, or wait until you get on board and then get the diamond discount. You just have to ask for it when you purchase it. It's part of your onboard benefits. So it's like on the same letter that you get in your stateroom. It tells you, you know, all the benefits you get as a diamond member. Um, I would say, though, even as a Diamond Plus member, Jeff, you're still better off buying the drink package before the cruise uh, when it comes to that. And honestly, dude, if you're drinking 10 drinks a day, you're getting value out of the drink package. The idea that you're not getting the four free ones, I think, is irrelevant because you're drinking 10 drinks a day. That drink package is, is doing work for you at that point if you're drinking quite to that level. So there you go, Jeff. Thank you for the email. Our next email is coming to us from... Uh, Bronwyn in Northwest Florida. Hey, Matt, hope you're doing well. We'll be on a cruise in March that visits Cozumel. This is not my favorite port to visit, but we took your advice and booked an all-inclusive day pass at the Nachi Kokum Beach Club and are very excited and looking forward to it. What's your recommendation for the best transportation to Nachi? Thinking taxi, but wanted to check if it helps for a party of four. Thanks so much. I hope our paths cross on a future cruise. You are absolutely right, Bronwyn. You definitely want to take a taxi. In Cozumel, it's just everywhere's a taxi is the best choice. Taxis are plentiful and cheap. So definitely take a taxi. You are not going to be, uh, you're not going to go wrong with going in that direction. Next email is from Gordon. Hi, Matt. The, the wife and I have been watching your YouTube videos and listening to the podcast and reading the blogs as we booked our first cruise on uh, Christmas Day. We absolutely love your content and it's how we've been keeping up on the excitement for the cruise. We booked a five-night cruise on Mariner of the Seas and we leave on April 8th, 2024. Yes, it's a long ways away, but that timeline worked best for us. We'll be flying out of Ottawa, Ontario the day before the cruise. We plan to get into holiday mode once we land in Orlando, so the five night feels like a longer holiday. It will also be my wife's first cruise ever in my third. I remember my first cruise and I wasn't entirely sure what to expect, but I ended up loving it. I've told her how much she will enjoy the cruise, but she's probably tired of hearing it from me because it's all I've been talking about. My question is, what is one thing you could or would say to a first time cruiser about the magic and excitement of a cruise vacation? Something that will make her get just as excited as I am for the cruise. Also, what was the moment when you first cruised that hooked you? Do you experience that same thrill, quote unquote, each time you cruise or has it diminished slightly? Thanks for keeping us entertained with your content. We look forward to reading, watching, listening to your new episodes. It's a really good question. I, and I've been there, done that because I know that feeling as someone who loves cruising and you get to go on a cruise with someone who's never cruised before, you kind of like, you're so excited for it and they don't know what's coming. It's kind of like, it's like the same thing as like showing somebody your favorite movie they've never seen before or going on a roller coaster that they've never done before or visiting a city that they've never been to before. And you know all the secrets and nuances and 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 cool things that lay just around the river bend, right? Just around the corner. And you know what's coming there, but you can't convey it because you they, they have to experience it for themselves, right? Um, it would be like eating, uh, eating ice cream, right? 
no matter how many times you talk about how wonderful ice cream is, until you actually try it for yourself and, and savor it, you, you have to be able to internalize it, right? You can't appreciate it. And the same is true for cruising. My thing why I try to tell people all the time is it's that combination. First of all, it's the lifestyle. Uh, it's a very relaxing type of vacation, but also it's that option to do what you want when you want to do it. Like, you know, if you want to sit in your room, take naps all day and, and sit on the balcony and just enjoy the sun, the sea passing by, you could do that. Or you can do a ton of cool activities, but it's not a one trick pony. And that's what I like about it. Some days you're going to feel like tackling it all and doing all the fun things. And other days you want to sleep until 11, roll out of bed, grab something to eat, you know, at, at, at a loco fresh, have a nice burrito and then head to the pool and kind of veg out or just have a drink or whatever. You know, that's the that's the beauty of cruising because there's not really anything like that. I mean, you can the closest comparison is all inclusive resorts, but they're very much in, in large respects a one trick pony because at most of them you're going to them and you're sitting by the pool or the beach. I mean, it's just that's it. Certainly they have other things, but there's not a whole lot of other variety here on cruises. You do have the variety and you're also going to different places and that combination of floating hotel places you're going to visit and lifestyle is really amazing. And then of course there are the places you're visiting. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm almost assuming we're just going to the Bahamas here, but you know, you go to Alaska, you go to the Mediterranean, it opens up an entire world for you to explore. As to your other question, um, about, Oh, what was the first moment that my, that first took me on cruising? Definitely the waking up and being somewhere else thing. And when I first started cruising, I loved port days and I don't want to say I hated sea days, but I, I, de I definitely preferred port days, but I love that magical feeling of just, you wake up in the morning, open your balcony window and or curtain. And it's like, wow, we're here. We're in San Juan. And the next day, wow, we're in Labadee. And it's like, that to me was an amazing feeling. Like, it was so cool. And I love that. And then at the night you come back to your ship and it's, you know, dinner in the dining room with the wait staff you already know. And you know, it, it's, it's, it's a combination of, of, of new and familiar. And I absolutely love that. Certainly it's changed for me over the years. I think cruising for everybody evolves, right? In the beginning, when you first start cruising, I think the the excitement is at a level because you you haven't done it that often. You're going to do it again. You you get that kind of like, I can't believe this vacation is coming. I remember very much a sense of disbelief when I got to like within a day or two of the cruise. Like it was, I can't believe after all this time, it's finally here. And that is something that I uh, has changed for me. Not that it's bad. I, I don't, let me put it this way. I don't get as giddy as I used to for, for my cruises coming up. I get excited. I get happy. Don't get me wrong on that. But I'd be lying to you if I told you that I had the same level of anticipation for a particular sailing. That's probably because I go on many sailings over you know the course of the year. But when I get on board, for me, when I step on board, I take that first breath of, of Royal Caribbean smell. I don't know how to explain it. It's good. It's a positive thing, but it's that all the ships always smell the same when you go to that elevator lobby when you first walk on. Um, when, you, when you get to the windjammer, like that's like it becomes real for me and it brings that back. It, it, it definitely, uh, with, 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 uh, apologies to the Doobie brothers, it brings back that loving feeling and, and I really enjoy it. So, you know, Gordon, I would say, you know, for you, as you cruise more, it will evolve. It will change for the better. I mean, you'll just discover new things that excite you in different ways before when you first start sailing, maybe it's just going on a cruise. Maybe the Bahamas is super exciting for you. Not that there's anything wrong with the Bahamas, but you know what I mean? Like it's, you're going to, you're going to, it's going to grow and, and, and it, it, you will change some of your viewpoints and you'll discover new things. And it's, it's a lot of fun. So it's a great question. And I hope that you get to experience that. Uh, all together because that sounds like an awesome, awesome time.
next question is from Advira. Hi, Matt. Decided to opt to get the key for upcoming Alaska cruise despite your advice. Sorry, it's, it's an anniversary cruise, and I figured it's an affordable splurge. What I wanted to know is if we have a prearranged seating for the major shows because of the key, do we still need to worry about making reservations for these shows? We're on ovation. I was really interested for the beautiful dream in Pixels Cabaret. We'd be pretty sad to miss those. I believe the answer is yes. I believe you still have to make reservations. The difference is you have a reserved seating area. Whether or not you like that seating area, different story. But that's the basic gist of it. I would still make uh, your, your show reservations there, Ed. Thank you for the email. Next email is from Lord S. Hi, Matt. My boyfriend and I will be uh, on the Voyager of the Seas out of San Juan, Puerto Rico. I have not been on a cruise in over 25 years. Last time I was on NCL, people used to dress better, I think, back when I used to cruise. Every video I've watched lately seems like nobody dresses up anymore, and that's sad. Personally, I love to dress up for any occasion possible. Do you share the same opinion? Is there no dress code anymore? Boy, that's a deep question. I mean, do I think that less people dress up for the dining room, or in general, I suppose, on a cruise today than they maybe did when I first started cruising in the early 2000s? It's possible. I mean, I, I would say yes. I, I, again, is that 1% less or 99% less? You know, that that's a whole nother debate there. I mean, I liked it too, Lourdes. I was always of the opinion that, you know, when do you get to get dressed up anymore these days? Like, weddings and funerals, right? Um, nobody has like dinner parties where it's like, oh yes, bring you, it's, it's, you know, casual, formal or anything like that. Right. I mean, it just doesn't happen anymore. Maybe you go to, I don't know. But, uh, so going on a cruise and getting a chance to get dressed up and look nice for an evening, you know, I, I kind of enjoy that aspect to it. Um, I would say that the longer sailings, like the three night cruises are different ball game, but you'd be surprised, Lord, as how many people do ask me about that. You know, I'm going on a cruise, you know, formal night. I mean, they're aware of these things. Um, you know, and like I was talking about earlier, there's an evolution of the cruising behaviors. And I think that obviously the dress codes and the, the, the idea of getting dressed up is certainly a vestige of the old style of cruising and certainly even the ocean liner days. Um, it's something that's, that's changed over the years. And I think attitudes have, have changed over the years. I mean, I think it's nice to do it. I enjoy it. I think it's fun, especially as a family, get family photos. I'd much rather have photos my family in nice clothing than, you know, at the beach or anything like that, but that's me. So the bottom line though is Lord is, is you've got to re recognize, and this is a conclusion I've come to as well, is that it doesn't matter what someone else is wearing. I mean, I, I think that it's, it's rude if somebody comes in wearing like, you know, clearly flagrantly breaking the dress code, you know, like wearing a bathing suit to the main dining room as an example, but if somebody else is wearing shorts in the main dining room, whatever, like I just, I, I stopped caring because it has no Im material impact on my experience. I'm, I'm, at, I'm at my table. And, um, you know, my family sitting with me at my table and that's all I need to worry about. And then we're having a nice time. Lourdes says, uh, can you tell me of the three decks of the main dining room, which is the better one? We've selected the second one, but I have a feeling the first looks or maybe better. Now they're all the same. It doesn't matter at all. Is there still a captain's night? And if so, how does one get invited? I remember being a lot of fun. I got to be invited on a couple of cruises way back when. Hopefully look forward to hearing from you. Um, so the captain's night is the one where the, in the bottom floor of the dining room, there's a center table. It's very large, usually with the Royal Caribbean logo in the middle and the captain sits there and dines there. And I guess you were lucky Lord, as I've never been invited there. I don't know how one gets invited there. I've always assumed just luck. There are sometimes repeat cruisers, sometimes, uh, completely new cruisers there. So honestly, I have no earthly idea how one gets invited there. I wish I could give you a better answer, but that is definitely the truth. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry I can't be more helpful there. Next email is from, I think it's our last email today, it's from Ashley. I'm cruising with a group of friends in September on Harmony of the Seas. We're a group of nine, 
Do you have any suggestions for how to plan this? We're looking for advice on shore excursions, sitting together in the main dining rooms, and onboard activities. Our ports are St. Thomas, St. Martin, and Coco Key. All right, a couple things. Number one, if you haven't done it already, link your reservations together. Um, so if you booked with Royal Caribbean, you need to call in every single one of you and ask to link your reservations to the other people in the group. Basically, you have to link theirs, and they have to link yours. So that makes sense. You need the reservation number and last name. If you've booked with a travel agent, the travel agent can do this for you. That way, that will link you together, and hopefully you'll be able to sit together for the dining rooms. That's like number one. Uh, for tours, you know, I, I think would probably behoove you the best. A couple things. One, I would I would have to, all of you need to agree on a day or a time every day to get together and be together. Dinner is the most obvious time. You're all going to have to have dinner at some point. You're probably on the ship for dinner. I would say, you say, no matter what everyone else does in the morning, in the afternoon, at dinner time, in the dining room, or if you're all doing dining packages, you're, you know, you're all going to sit together and you're all, that's, that's your time to reconvene. You could alternatively say, okay, we're not even going to do that. We're going to pick, um, you know, this bar uh, at 10 o'clock. We're all going to meet here every night. Okay, you could do that as well. But I would definitely pick some time to spend together every day. And everyone's got to be there because it's a good opportunity to kind of, you know, circle back around, right? I think it's a really good strategy for, for a large group. In terms of tours, I would recommend certainly picking some weekend between now and your cruise in September. And kind of sit down and say, all right, what does everybody want to do? Because the problem with tours, especially with a group of nine, is some people are going to want to do beaches. Some people do not want to do beaches. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of options for you. You could all book a tour through Royal Caribbean. You could find a private tour operator. For a group of nine, I would certainly look towards a private tour operator, some sort of a guide who can take your group of nine. Because you have a big enough group that certainly can be cost effective. Certainly in places like St. Thomas, St. Mark, Coco Key, you know, you could book a cabana. That's an easy one to do. and might be like almost the most your best choice because you can split the cost three ways. Um, most cabanas can hold eight people. The ninth person, eh, they'll look the other way. Don't have to worry about that. So, you know, um, that, that would be a, a, an easy option. And I would look at private tours in either St. Thomas or St. Martin. Basically, in each port, Ashley, Google, you know, St. Thomas you know, tour operator, tour driver, private tour. Uh, if all else fails, also what you could do, Ashley, go to the Royal Caribbean blog message boards at royalcaribbeanblog.com and ask for any tour recommendations, any tour operators. There's plenty of people who have had experience. We have a dedicated shore excursion forum there that can help you out and hopefully give you some personalized recommendations. Thank you, Ashley, for the email. And thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. I can answer your email in a future episode. You can always email me, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt. We'll talk again real soon.